All right, so we'll say good morning. Let's begin. So today's daf, today's daf is daf yodalit. We're going to start from the bottom of yud gimel amud beis. So ben achia, four lines are from the bottom. So remember again, ben achia, the Mishnah said was in charge of the Kohanim's stomach disorders. Ben achila says the gemara. Why did the Kohen suffer from such uh, stomach disorders? So the gemara says, Remember, the Kohanim had to walk barefoot on the floor of the Beis HaMikdash. And they would eat meat. And they would drink water. They ultimately would come to have these stomach disorders. So also, interestingly enough, what the Tiklin Kharatim points out is that the coldness, of the, the coldness of the floor, obviously without shoes, is problematic. Coupled with the fact that normally when eating large quantities of meat, the one thing that's exceptionally healthy, times have changed a little bit, one thing that's exceptionally healthy with that is to drink large quantities of wine. But because, again, you can't drink wine when you are in the base of the Kohanim can't drink while on duty. So therefore, the large quantities of meat, the fact that they were chilled by the floor, the absence of wine, caused them to have stomach issues. And therefore, what did Ben And Ben Ben Achia knew which wines were helpful for the stout, literally for the bowels. Which wine was helpful for the bowels and which wine was detrimental for the bowels. Goes on. Nuchunya Chofer Sichin. Nuchunya was the one who dug ditches. Remember again, as we pointed out yesterday, this digging of the ditches over here refers to this idea that he would dig wells. He would dig wells, and particularly because of the fact that when they had the regalim, when they had the pilgrimage festivals, there had to be multiple water sources. So Nechunya was the, was the ditch digger. Shayuchofer Sichin Uma'aros. He was a person who dug pits. Ma'aros literally means caves. But these are all different types of wells. Vahavayada, top of Yadalit, and he knew high din cave mukurar, maya, vahai din cave isbe sharvuve. He knew which stones had the ability to cool down water, and which stones were filled with heat. And he also knew that if he discovered like a, a hot pocket, he knew how deep the heat extended. So I mean, I guess when digging a well, you have to know exactly what it is that you're digging for. So he had exceptional proficiency in digging these wells. He goes on, Amr Rabbi Eliezer, and I've also said, now says something amazing. Rabbi Eliezer says, Umeis bino bitsama, that the son, the son of Nechunya, died of thirst. And I will say what the Gemara notes is the just incredible, incredible, tragic irony in that. That here Nechunya spends his life digging wells, digging wells for others, and yet his son, the Gemara doesn't tell us the circumstances, but that his son, his son died of thirst. Now, the Tiklin Kharitin has an interesting explanation here. He writes, you see where it says on the right, right Tiklin Kharitin is on the right-hand side, where it says, Umes bino bitsama. See, he writes over here, Kiba mida sha'adam zahir ba ma'od, so Tiklin Kharatin suggests that when a person is very meticulous with something and then he is lax with that very thing even just a little bit, 
ultimately he's held accountable for that laxity much more than someone else. Meaning that when you are known to be proficient with something and you don't live up to the expectations in that one thing, you are held accountable to a higher degree than someone else who is not as meticulous with that very thing. So if you skip to the last three lines of that Tiklin Chadetin, he says, So, so since Nuchunya was very careful to always provide water sources for the public, and then when it turns out that he was not careful, so the Gemara doesn't tell us, but something happened. Something happened that Nuchunya was not careful with digging the wells, and therefore as a result he was held responsible for that, and the Gemara understands that the Midah Kineged Midah is that his own child, Chashon, died because of thirst. Amar Rabbi Hanina. Now, Bosa, now that the Gemara began this topic of the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu deals very strongly and very strictly with certain individuals who are meticulous with mitzvos, the Gemara opens the store. Rabbi Hanina, Amar Rabbi Hanina, man de Amar Rachmana Vatron, yit yis Vatron Bnei Meuye. Bosa literally translated anyone who says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a Vatron. Now, what does Vatron mean? If you look at the Tiklin Kharatin, he says, Mevater Ala Averos, Anyone who says that God doesn't care, you must remember, there's an interesting idea that Akadosh Baruch we know is a forgiving, is a forgiving father. But, you know, sometimes we confuse that with thinking that Akadosh Baruch is just going to look the other way with everything. So ever thinks that God just looks the other way with everything, literally, means his insides should spill out which is a nice way of Chazal saying, politely, you're wrong. Right? Meaning that whoever thinks that Kaddish Baruch Hu just looks the other way when we do things, negative things, it's absolutely not true. We're held accountable for everything. There's tshuva, there's, there's, there's the fact that Kaddish Baruch Hu looks at our actions in a context, but at the end of the day, there's absolute responsibility for everything we do, and God does not look the other way for anything. Ella, ma'arich ruchei, rather HaKadosh Baruch Hu is exceptionally patient, the gavei didei, but ultimately he collects that which is due to him. So what it means is that we know that if a person thinks that they're going to do an aver and a lightning bolt is going to come out and strike them, that's certainly not going to happen. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is patient, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives a person time to be able to go ahead and fix their misdeeds, but at the end of the day, if I don't correct my ways, there will be a divine collection. Amr Abacha, Abacha says, Ksiv, Usivivav nisara meot. So also here the Gemara quotes the Pasuk from Tehillim. Literally, Sivivav, and all around it, there were very turbulent circumstances. So also the Gemara says, now it's interesting that the word nisara, nisara is the word saara, which means storm. Now normally that word is written with a samach. Here it's written with a sin. So the Gemara says, what do you see from here? Medaktek imohen kichut hasaara. What do you see from here? Terakodesh Baruch Hu is as exacting with the tzaddikim like a hair's breadth. Like a hair's breadth. Akadosh Baruch Hu has very high... Remember, we, we know this concept of that the stronger you are, the holier you are, the closer you are, the more Akadosh Baruch Hu is medactic, the more God is meticulous with what you do and how you do it. Akadosh Baruch Hu holds the tzaddik to a higher level. Amr Abiyosi, Lomi Tamazem. Abiyosi says, no, no, I agree with the principle you're espousing, but I disagree with the source. Ela min, min, ela min madichsev v'norahu Rather, I think it's from the following pasuk. Also in Tehillim, Venoru, God is great, or God is awesome on all of His surroundings. So the Rabbi Yossi Darshins, ala krovim, that the awesomeness of Hakadosh Baruch Hu is apparent on those who are closer more than those who are further. Which is again is another way of saying the same principle, which is that Hakadosh Baruch Hu sometimes 
flexes his divine muscle on those who are closer to him more than those who are further. Rabbi Chagai b'shem Rabbi Shmuel bar Nachman. Ma'ase b'chassid echad sheyichofer boros asichin. There was a story once about a particular chassid, a particular pious individual. I will say, Bepashtos, this is not nechunya. This is not Nechunya. This is someone else, another pious individual, who also made it his point to go ahead and dig wells for those who travel the road. So we'll say, obviously, a person who does this, does this without compensation, does it for chesed for others, and for people that he doesn't even know. So obviously, an incredible Baal chesed. One time his daughter was traveling to her wedding, and she was swept away by the river. Sutway by the river. So we'll say, and everyone came to try to console this chassid, but he would not be consoled. We'll say, obviously, again, the, the, the pain over here is compounded by the fact that she died through water. Right here, this man spent his life doing chassid through water, and his own daughter was, was taken away on her wedding day through water. All Rabbi Pinchas ben Yoir, Legabe, 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 So what happens? Pinchas ben Yoir, remember, we read about his donkey yesterday. So, so Rabbi Pinchas ben Yoir comes in to go out and console this individual. But the man was inconsolable. Amr Lun, so Pinchas ben Yoir said, Amr Lun, Dinhu Chasidchun? So Pinchas ben Yoir is very interesting, was very surprised. He said, This is the man you call a Chasid. I will say, what does that mean? The halacha is, at some point in time, you have to accept some level of consolation. Meaning, to accept no consolation. Now again, remember, consolation doesn't mean everything is okay. Consolation doesn't mean that you suddenly feel better. But consolation means you accept it. You accept it. This was the gzar din of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and, and it, it takes, takes people different amounts of time. But Pinchas ben was surprised that this man was not even receptive to the fact that this was the gzar of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And a person has to learn how, it's difficult, but a person has to learn how to accept the gzeros. So Amr Evsha Shahayi, and he said, listen to this. He said, Amr Luhu Rebbe, you have to understand something is that this man spent his life providing water for others and now water took his child said it's impossible to me to believe that a man who does such chesed with water that HaKadosh Baruch Hu would punish him so terribly with water and amazing enough what happened afterwards is amazing Right as they were having this conversation, so a rumor started in the city that what? That the daughter had come back to the city. The daughter made her, she was alive, she made her back to the city. So some say that what happened is, is that when she was swept downstream, she was able to grab onto a branch and was able to go ahead and save herself. Others say a malach in the image of Rabbi Pinchas ben Yoir came and ultimately saved her. Okay, beautiful story. Givini Karos. So remember again, Givini was the announcer. Was the announcer. He was the crier. He used to make the announcements in the Beis HaMikdash. And what announcements would he make? Mahaya Omer. Imdu Kohanim La'avoda. Kohanim, get up. It's time to do the avoda. And get ready for your shira. The ma'amadon. I will say again, we've had this concept. We actually learned about this in brachas that there were ma'amados. Ma'amados means there were rotations of since communal offerings represent the entire klal, 
any time a carbon is going to be valid, there has to be the owners have to be present. So who are the owners of the communal offerings? Klal Yisrael. So they had they had shifts of Yisraelim always present in the Beis HaMikdash, who were there to represent the collective. So he would tell the... To, to, and again, the Gemara discusses what they would do in their Ma'amados. Agrippas HaMelech Shama Kol, Kolo Adches Parsos. Agrippas, the king, remember Agrippas was one of the Herodian kings. So Agrippas... Machlokas if he was Jewish or not. But one thing is clear, which was he was a very good man. He was very, he was very good to the Jewish people. So Agrippas, Agrippas once heard Gavini, once heard Gavini, eight parsaos away. So I'll say it's a very strong voice. And Agrippas gave Gavini many gifts. He was so impressed by his talents that he rewarded him richly. Ben Gevra on the Ilas Sharim. Ben Gevra was in charge of closing the gates. Tirgame Rav Kumi de Beis Rabbi Shila, Kra Gavra, Achriz Kruza. So both sides, the, the Gemara over here is quoting the following idea. The Gemara is talking about the Meseches Yuma. The Gemara says that the by the time Kriyas Hagever came along in the morning, they were already doing the, they were, the Quran were already up. So the, there's discussion as to what Kriyas Hagever actually means. So some say Achris Kruza. So some would say Kriyas Hagever means when the crier would announce. It refers to a person that, like we just said before, that the person would announce, time to go ahead and get up. Amr Lei, Amr Kratanagola. Others say that Kriyas Hagever actually means the crow of the rooster. Amr Lei, Ben Gever. Aye, but we have over here, it says Ben Gever would open the gates first thing. Could it be that Ben Gever is a rooster? Well, say, so what, the, what the Gemara is saying over here is that Lemaisa, from this Gemara, it becomes clear that the Gemara Mesechasuma that speaks about the fact that the gates were opened at Kriyas Gever doesn't refer to the crow of the rooster, rather means at the time when the person announced. So what would happen is Gavini would announce, it's time to get up, and... And Ben Gevra would then go ahead and open up the gates. Okay. Ben Bavi Alapakia. So Ben Bavi was in charge of the wicks. Shahaya Mezayeg Pesilos. He would adjust the wicks in the base of Mikdash. Rabiosi Aala Kufra. So Rabiosi once had to go to Kufra. So Rabiosi had to go out of town to another city to Kufra. Bo'o Memangi Alaihun Parnosin. So we'll say, Rabiosi, because Rabiosi administered many of the town's affairs, now that he was leaving, so he had to appoint people to take care of things in his absence. No one wanted to assume responsibility. So I'll say, it's very interesting. Take a look. Take a look at the Tiklin Kharatin. He says over here, actually, let's read one more line. Velo Kiblon Minhon. But no one wanted to take responsibility. Says Tiklin Kharatin, Velo Kiblon Minhon. Mishum usneis harabonos. So we'll say. So the Tilim Charetin gives a couple of possibilities. One possibility is because the Mishnah says you should despise positions of leadership, despise positions of leadership for a whole variety of reasons. We've actually seen this concept before. For Tamidi Chachamim, the reason why they despise leadership is because person is pulled in all different directions and a person doesn't have time for their own spiritual growth. Also because sometimes a person has to deal with all different kinds of people who don't necessarily exert the right kind of influence on the individual. So so one possibility is even though Abiyosi says, listen, I need someone to help out, no one wants to assume this responsibility. Or the other possibility is sometimes 
the greatest danger of authority is misuse of that authority. Sometimes when a person is vested with incredible responsibility, a person has to make sure to use that power responsibly. In any event, they didn't want to take, they, nobody wanted to pick up the slack when Rabbi was gone. Av Amr Khomeini came up and he said to them, Av Amr Khomeini, Ben Bavi ala Pakia. So he said, listen, Ben Bavi was in charge of the wicks in the base of Mikdash. So Biosi said to them, can you imagine this? If Ben Pakia, what did Ben Pakia do? He arranged the wicks. But if arranging the wicks in the base of Mikdash allows you to be mentioned in the Mishnah with the other Gidoli Hador, then imagine the schus that you have when you run the affairs of the city and you're literally taking care and enhancing the lives of people. So it's an amazing thing. Doing things for, for the klal is always a great tzuchos. Whether it's delivering, whether, whether, it's, whether it's arranging uh, wicks, or whether it's taking care of the needs of the seaboard. But he's saying, if, if you can imagine, if the, if the tzuchos involved with arranging the wicks is so great, then imagine when you actually have the privilege to be involved in substantive matters of the klal, what kind of privilege that is. Ben Arza ala tzaltzal. Ben Azar, Ben Arza was in charge of the symbols. Ki taninan. Tamon. This is what we learned. Heinif Hasgan Bisudar. And boss is actually very interesting. When the coin god will bend down to offer the Nisachim, this is about the carbon atomid. So the, after, after the carbon atomid was offered, the coin god would bend down and he would go ahead and, and offer the Nisachim. So what happens? The scan, the assistant coin god would wave, literally Bisudarin would wave, would wave a flag or would wave a cloak. The Hekish Ben Arza Alatzal Ben Arza would, would, would uh, clash, the, crash the symbols together. And what would happen? Then the Levitic choir would start. Hogros ben Levi alashir. Hogros ben Levi was in charge of the Levitic choir. Omri, Om Amar Reb Acha, Ni'ima Yisera Hayo Yodea. So apparently Hogros had a beautiful voice. A beautiful voice, and he knew how to use it. Va'amru alav al-Hogros ben Levi. They said about Hogros, Shayamanim eskolo bezemer, that he would go ahead and raise his voice so beautifully in song. Ukishayanoit godlo besoch piv. And when he put his thumb in his mouth, so, so whatever this means, he was, you know, he was able to play the thumb. You know, what, what that means is somehow he was able to, to create sounds, I guess with his finger, with his, whatever it was, and it sounded like he was playing musical instruments. That's how talented he was. And his voice was so powerful that the Kohanim who were standing like right next to him were literally thrown back by his voice. Based Garmu al Masa Lechem upon him. The Garmu family were in charge of Lechem upon him. Based Garmu Hayu became the Masa Lechem upon him. The Garmu family were expert in the baking of Lechem upon him as well as the removal. And I will say, remember, the Lechem upon him was baked in a mold. Was baked in a mold. And remember, as I mentioned yesterday, the Lechem upon him is very unique because its shape is exceptionally strong. You know, the Thrashian the, the Torah says it's like a box. Without, with an opening and without sides. So if you can imagine for a moment, so the loaf itself had a base, had a base, then it had like two walls that extended upwards, and then it had two, two parts that extended like that. But the inside was hollow. The inside was hollow. So obviously, you can imagine what would normally happen if you and I tried to bake a loaf of bread, what would happen? It would just collapse into itself. But amazingly enough, the Garmu family knew how to make it. So we'll say the chap over here is they baked it. The real hard part was not the baking it. The hard part was getting it out of the mold still in one piece. So the house of Garmu knew how to do this. 
But what happened? But they did not want to teach anyone else. They did not want to share this information. The Chacham got very upset about this because, again, they felt that, that the house, the Garbu family, was using this, was using this knowledge for their own self-aggrandizement and was holding it from the Jewish people. So what happens? So listen to this. So what happens? So the rabbis outsourced. Outsourced. I guess before people started outsourcing to India, right? So now again, they went to Alexandria in Egypt, and they got the best bakers in Alexandria who came and did lechem aparim. To make lechem part of the end, no problem. What was the problem? The problem is they couldn't get it out of the mold whole. They couldn't get it out of the mold whole. And what happens? Is furthermore, uh, the Garmu family, they would fire the oven from the inside of the oven, but they would only remove the bread from the mold outside of the oven. And as a result, the bread always remained fresh. It didn't turn moldy. But the bakers from Alexandria would go ahead and fire up the oven on the inside and would remove the dough from the mold on the inside as well. Apparently what they thought was like this. They removed the dough from the mold before it was fully baked because that way the dough was a little bit more um, malleable. Right? Pliable, malleable. So, so, uh, I'm sorry, soft. So you can get it out. The problem is because it was not fully baked, so spoilage set in much faster. Also, it's also very interesting because we know that, again, one of the miracles that happened in the base of Mikdash was that the lechem aponim remained fresh. Remained fresh. So, okay, whatever that metzias is. So the Gemara says, Kevan shedu chacham Amru kolma shibara kolish barachu lichvodo bara. Shene'emar kol pala shunama aneu. So I'll say, now that this happened, the rabbis realized, okay, even the best bakers cannot replicate this process. And they realize, you know what? It's not right for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Literally, it means everything that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created, he only created for his honor. Listen, if the house of Garmu, if the Garmu family, if they're the ones who know how to do this and they're the only ones, then you know they're going to have to go with them. And if they don't want to share this knowledge, so be it. What happens? So what happens now? So contract negotiations. So now the Garmu family says, no problem, you fired us, now you want to rehire us, let's talk contract. So they wouldn't come back until the Beis HaMikdash agreed to double their salary. They originally got paid 12 mana, and then they told the base of they'd only come back for 24. Rabbi Huda says, no, it was 24. So finally, okay, they paid them what they wanted. Now they came back. So the Chazal asked, base Kam, like, what's your problem? Why, why won't you share this information? Well, so listen to how profound this is. We have a tradition from our forefathers that the Beis HaMikdash is going to be destroyed. And we'll say, and what happens? You know why we don't want to give away the secret? Because if you give away the secret and the Beis HaMikdash is destroyed, inevitably, you know what will happen? it will be used for Avodah Zarah. Therefore, we hold the recipe close to our chest to ensure that no matter what happens to the Jewish people, ultimately, this will never be misused in an inappropriate way. And amazingly enough, the Gemara says, 
Okay, fine. So that's, so that's why they didn't want to share. Now, I'll say again, whether or not that's correct or not is a different discussion. This Gemara also actually appears in Masechus Tainus. So there the Gemara deals with it a little bit more extensively about whether or not they were right or they were wrong. But at the end of the day, it wasn't for their own self-aggrandizement. It was really because they wanted to protect the sanctity of the Beis HaMikdash. So the Gemara says, The Chazal often praised a particular practice of the house of God. What was the practice? They never had white bread in the house. I will say, again, understand that, that white bread means bread from fine flour. So they never had, they never had fine flour bread. In, in literally, no one ever saw fine flour bread in the hands of their children. Why? Because they will say, again, Beis was always very conscious that if people would see fine flour bread in the hands of the children in the household, people could assume what? That they were that they were using lechem upon him. So this is quite amazing. So in order to in order to ultimately be above reproach, be beyond suspicion, they only ate more inferior quality bread because they never wanted to be suspected of eating the lechem upon him. It's quite amazing. So the Margos Vaiter, Beis Avatina Samasak Torres, the Avatina family was in charge of the Ketores. So the Avatina's family were experts in two things. Number one, pitu makitores, which means, again, putting together the various spices and herbs for kitores, because remember, again, that is a practice in and of itself to know, A, which herbs, or and to know, again, the right combination of them. So they knew that. And ma'ala ashan. We will say ma'ala ashan, we will see, is actually a particular herb that was added that allowed the pillar of smoke to ascend directly upward in, in, in a pillar, as opposed to normally when you light something on fire, the smoke dissipates immediately. Ma'ala Ashan was the name of an ingredient that caused the pillar to remain intact and descend upwards. So they knew the right, they knew the right combination for Ketores, and they also knew this particular item called Ma'ala Ashan. And, but again, the house, of, the house of Avatinas did not want to teach anyone the secret of the Ketores. So the rabbi said, you know what, forget it, we're going to go get other craftsmen they sent out for the craftsmen of Alexandria who were experts in the making of kitores. But what was the problem? They knew how to make the kitores. What, the, what didn't they know? They didn't know about the ma'ala ashen. They couldn't figure out how to get the smoke to ascend in a straight pillar. And therefore, and therefore, he says, uh, in, for the Avatina family, their Ketores rose up in a straight column, in a straight, in a straight pillar. And then when it, once it rose up, it dissipated and fell back down. However, again, But for the Alexandrian craftsmen, when they would go ahead and light the Ketores on fire, the smoke would immediately dissipate. So when the rabbis realized that the Alexandrian craftsmen are not able to go ahead and replicate this, they understood that they had to go ahead and use the Avatinas family because that would have been the greatest cover to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So what do they do? Shalchu Achrem, same thing. So they, they wanted to get the Avatinas family back into the Beis HaMikdash. And what happened? So same thing. So the Avatina family says, no problem, you want us back? 
double our salary. So again, some say they were making 12 mana, and therefore they doubled it to 24. Others say that no, they were making 24, and they doubled it to 48. Okay, so they rehired. Again, Chazal approached. Why don't you want to teach anyone about the Ketoros? Why won't you share this information? Amr Lahen, he said, they said to the rabbis, Same thing, we have a Masora. Avatina's family had the same Masora as the Garmu family. That one day the Beis Hamikdash is going to be destroyed. And what's going to happen? If we go ahead and we give, ins- we give away the secret of the incense, what's going to happen? The Yosin, excuse me, and also, by the way, it just you see an interesting thing we know that in other religions, like Christianity, incense is a very big thing. Incense is a major part of the Avodah, and not just Christianity, other religions as well. So it's actually very interesting that there's a carryover from these things. In any event, they did not want to go ahead and teach anyone about the secret of the Ketores out of fear that after the Shakshat Beis HaMikdosh, it would be used for Avodah Zorah. So what happens? So the Gemara says the Shevach. So again, the, the Avatinas family was known, was known for a very beautiful practice. The women of the Avatinas family never wore perfume. Why not? Not only that, not only did the Avatinas women not wear perfume, but when an Avatinas son married a woman from another, perf- from another family, it was on the condition that what? That she agreed that she was never going to wear perfume. Why? In order that no one should ever say that the Avatinas family is using the Ketoras for their own personal use. It's amazing. And I will say, you have to understand something. So you say to yourself, what's the big deal? In, in, in Talmudic times, in Talmudic times where hygienic standards were very different, people weren't necessarily bathing every day, perfume was actually very important because perfume often masked odor. So, so to, give up, to give up the use of perfume is not such a posh thing. It means you probably have to bathe more often. So, so it, it's, it's a big thing. So the Gemara says the following. The Kaim Ashenemar, this comes to uphold that which we said before. V'yisem nekim me'ashem umi Yisrael. We'll say we see from here that what? That a person has an obligation to be nucky. A person has an obligation to live life beyond reproach. Even though, again, the guy, the, a guy who family could have eaten white bread and the Avatina family could have worn perfume, they wanted to remain above even the specter of suspicion. Rabbi says, one time I was in Yerushalayim and I was with a, a child from the house of Avatinas, the Avatinas family. Avatinas is the Ketoras. So what happens? So I said to my son, which family are you from? He said, I'm from the Avatinas family. I said to him, Bini, because your family had in mind to, to amplify their own covet and to minimize the covet of HaKadosh Baruch 
Ukivot Shemayim Nisraba. Therefore, your family has fallen into obscurity, but yet the covet of Hashem has, has magnified. So Rabbi Yossi was giving him some pretty strong Musar, essentially saying what your family did was really inappropriate. So Rabbi Yossi, also you see from here that apparently even though these families had reasons, let's say Avatina's family had a reason not to share the recipe for the Ketoros, apparently Chazal did not feel that that was a real reason. They should have still shared it. And therefore, again, you see Rabbi Yossi expressing this, this displeasure with the family, even to this young child. Um, Rabbi Akiva, Sochli Shimon ben Luga, Shimon ben Luga told me the following story. One time, I was collecting, one time I was collecting herbs with one of the young children of the house of Avatinas. Okay? And what happens? V'ra'isi oso shebacha, v'ra'isi oso shesachak. And I also, I saw that he cried, and then I saw that he laughed. I said to my son, why are you crying? He says, I cry over my family that has fallen into obscurity. I also remember Rabbi Akiva now, Rabbi Akiva is telling the story. This is post-destruction of the second temple. Which also, by the way, is very helpful for understanding that when the house of Garmo and the house of Avatinas did not want to share these secrets, because so the Beis HaMikdash was going to be destroyed, what they were also saying was, as opposed to the first Beis HaMikdash, where the Navi already told us that there was a defined cap for exile. There was 70 years. We were told that in advance. We were going to be out of Eretz for 70 years. The second Korban, of course, has no cap. For Haraya, we're still here. That's why, again, the house, the Garmu family, the Avatinas family, had this real concern about these secrets falling into the hands of Ovdi Avodazara. So this young child cries over the lost glory of his family. Velama Sachakta, and why did you laugh? Armali she says, you know, I laughed. I laughed over the covet that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has in store for the tzaddikim for the future. Take a look at the Tiklin Charetin. I'll both say about seven lines after the bottom of the Tiklin Charetin. HaMatukim L'Tzadikim. L'Asad Lavo. V'ainu, she'asil HaKadosh Baruch Hu l'achzir l'anu. So we'll say so the young child was was again this must this is post korban post destruction of Yisamitash. So he's crying for the lost glory of Yisamitash. He's crying for the lost glory of the Jewish people. But he laughs because he knows that one day that glory will be restored. Umara Isa, what did you see when you were collecting herbs in the field? See, he says, Mara Isa, Ma'ala Ashan Linegdi. So the young child said, I saw the herb. Ma'ala Ashan. I also remember, what's the herb Ma'ala Ashan? That's the one ingredient of the Ketores that allows the column, the pillar of smoke, to extend upwards. Say, so Ma'ala Ashan, no misilo b'ni herehuli. So Shimon ben Lugo says to the child, show me, tell me what it is. Amar li rebi misores, misores biyadi me'avosai. So the young child says, Shimon ben Lugo, I have a misora from my forefathers. Shalom lahar oso libraihu. Not to share it, not to show it to anyone else. So we'll say, amazingly enough, the house of Avatinas still kept this Mesora even in the aftermath of the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. Am Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri. Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri said, One time, an elder, an elder member of the Avatinas family came to me, and there was a scroll of, of herbs in his hand. So we'll say what, what he was holding was the ingredient scroll. He was only the ingredient scroll for Ketores. Amrli, and he said to me, Rebbe, l'sha'avra haya beis abin In the past, the members of my household were tznu, and tznu means very private. 
And what happens? And they would only go ahead and share this scroll, one with the other. And now that the members of my family are no longer trustworthy. So I will say, interestingly enough, what the Gemara seems to be saying over here is that even in the aftermath of the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash is that the Avatinas family became compromised as well. And there was a concern now that what? That they were the, going to be the ones who would share it with other people. Rebbe, please, you take the Megillah, you take the scroll, and please be careful with it. So at some point in time, the Gemara says that the Beis Avatinas family actually handed over the recipe to... Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri. So the Gemara says, And Rabbi Yochanan, listen, listen to how beautiful this is. When, when I came and I told, Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri says, when I came and told over the, what just happened to Rabbi Akiva, Zilgu of Demaos, his eyes filled with tears. And he said, now, we no longer have to remember the Avatinas family in a disparaging factor. So, also again, what he's quoting over here is the Mishnah Masech Asuma discusses that the base Avatinas family were looked down upon by Chazal because they would not share this recipe. So, Rabbi Akiva says, finally, the mistake of the Avatinas family has been rectified. We no longer have to look down on this particular family. It's amazing. So, Gemara says, Elazar ala parochas. So, the Mishnah said that Elazar was in charge of the curtains, the upkeep of the curtains. He was in charge of the weavers for the, for the, for the, what did I just call it? Curtain, thank you. For the curtain. Pinchas was in charge of, he was in charge of Kohanic, Kohanic wardrobe. Well, as they pointed out yesterday, especially for the Kohen Gadol, there are many vestments which the Kohen Gadol can't put on himself. He needs help. So apparently, again, Pinchas was the helper. So he was, so Shahaya Mabish Big Gidola, that he was the one who would help the Kohen Gadol get dressed. Ma'ase Bekoin Hechad, Shehobish Leistratios Aleph, Echad, Venosla Shmona Zahuvim. So there was a story, the Gemara just tells us a random story, that there was once a Kohen who helped one of the officers. So this must be one of the Roman officers. One of the Roman officers get dressed. He was like the, he was like the attendant of one of the Roman officers. And what happened? And the officer gave him eight gold pieces. Another say no, he gave him 12 gold pieces. I will say, what's the point of this? The point of this is good help is hard to find. Right? So therefore, again, if you have someone who's able to help you with your clothing, it's a big to-do. So Gemara just brings that anecdote. I'll just say this is a service that is very valuable. So obviously, again, it was valuable in the Beis Amikdash as well to, from Pinchas to help with the Kohen Gadol with this. Says the Mishnah, We don't know. The Gemara is going to continue to go through the structure of the base Hamikdash, who was in charge of us. And now we're being introduced to a new office called the Amarkulin. And I will say Amarkulin, Amarkulin are people who are on top of the Gizbarin. On top of the Gizbarin. So if you take a look, actually, it's, um, so what we have, always, so Amarkulin, by the way, is a contraction for Amarkulon. Amarkulon. These are the people who decide everything. So we don't have less than seven Amarkulin in the base Hamikdash. Ushlosha Gizborin. 
and three gizbarin. So a gizbar we normally translate it as treasurer. So Amarkalin are the bosses. Those are the guys who are in charge of everything. The gizbarin are their are their, are their employees, the ones who ultimately carry out the tasks. The in osin strara alatziwa pachos mishnayim. And I will say in general, whenever you have something, some type of financial office. For the Jewish people, you never want to have less than two people heading up that office. Now, what they're saying over here is, whenever it comes to money, you don't you need a system of checks and balances. So you don't want to have just one person who has the checkbook without anyone else seeing it. So in any financial offices in the base Hamikdash, you usually had at least two or more people managing that process, with a couple of exceptions. Chutz mi with the exception of Benachia who, again, we saw before, was in charge of the uh, Kohanim's uh, stomach issues. I will say, now, obviously, why is that a financial office? Well, that is a financial office because it means he had he had money with which to purchase different types of wine. So, apparently, Achia had that checkbook on his own, and Elazar Shalaparokas, and Elazar had the checkbook for the curtain repairs also on his own. Why were these two individuals different? Because these individuals were trusted by the entire populace. What the Mishnah seems to be saying over here is, listen, if someone's not as well known, so the Maisa, good, good standard operating procedures is make sure you have your system of checks and balances. Don't let the checkbook be in the hands of any one individual. Have at least two individuals who see the books, with, with one exception, which is if someone is well known and trusted by everyone, then if the public vests them, with that trust and responsibility, then they could even one person could even manage the finances. Says the Gemara, in pochasin migimol gizbarin umizayin amarkulin. Amarkulin, you can't have less than three gizbarin and seven amarkulin. So the Gemara says, tani tani mishnei katlikin. So I'll say now there's another there's another office over here, and you also need two katlikin. So take a look at the tikkun chalatin for just a moment. See, he says. Tana, uh, Tana, Braisa Musefes, Shein Poksen, Mibes, Mamunam, Lamalamina, Markon. So we'll say, now we have this new position called Katlikin. So again, if you're looking at the temple flowchart, what you have is Tuk the Katlikin, the Amarkolin, and the Gizborin. And then really under the Gizborin, by the way, are all of these individual offices. Like you've seen before, all these individuals who are responsible for different things. So the Gemara says, now based on what we just said before, you wouldn't have less than two Katlikin. So again, these Katlikin are on the top of the organization. We'll see actually, the real organizational flowchart is, it goes Melech, we'll see this later on, Melech, Kohen Gadol, Skan Kohen Gadol, then we'll see there might be a position even there on the Skan Kohen Gadol, Katlikin, Gizborin, and then individual offices. Katlikin are officers, I don't know, it's not a good English word for it. They're, they're officers. They're officers, but they're above the Amarkalin. So again, I don't know, I don't know what, I don't know if there's a, I don't know if there's a real, the arts will give a, the yeah, arts will give an English word for that? Overseers, okay, okay, but that's that's what Amarkalin means also. But all right, fine. So this, I guess he, this this is it. controllers. Okay, good. All right. So again, I don't know. I, I would tell you pay more attention to the hierarchy. Don't worry as much as about the translation of the words. But Katlikin is the boss. Is although we'll see he's not really the boss either. But again, the point that the commission is trying to establish over is the hierarchy. Katlikin, Amarkalin, Gizbarin, individuals. So the Gemara just quotes now a couple of psukim from Divrei Hayamim. Where the, where, the, where the Navi quotes a number of different names, and these names refer to p- different people in these positions. Sahadu Dixiv, Vichiel, the Azayahu, 
ונחוס ואסוהל וירמיוס ויוזבוד ואליאל ויסמחיהו ומחוס ובניהו. This all refers to Amarkolin. All these individuals were Amarkolin. They, they occupy the position of Amarkolin. Pekidim miyad konyahu vishimi achyu katlikin. These individuals were the katlikin. Bemifkad yechizkiyo, and they were they were in the charge of yechizkiyo hamelech. They were in charge. They, they were they were all worked for yechizkiyo the king. Vaazayohu negid beis elokim, and azayohu the prince of the house of God, which refers to hamelech vakoin gadol. So I will say here again, the navi helps a little bit more that above the katlikin was the coin gadol, and above the coin gadol was the melech. Kishu Chosim, I will say, this is actually very interesting as well. Now, remember, we spoke about the fact that there would often be surplus funds. Surplus funds now had to be locked away. When they were locked away, they were sealed up. And now, in order to ensure that no money would be taken, they were sealed with multiple seals. So what would happen? Kishu Chosim, Hagizbar Chosim, so when the, when the when the baskets were sealed up, so what would happen? The first person who would seal up would be the gozer, would be the gizbar. The gizbar, we call him the treasurer. So the gizbar would seal it up and then he would give it to the amarkel. So the amarkel would seal it up. Amarkel chosim, he'd put a seal and put his own signature on it. What would happen? Venosan le katlikon. And he'd give it to the katlikon. Katlikon chosim. The katlikon would seal it up, his seal. And what would happen? Venosan le coin gadol. He'd give it to the coin gadol. Coin gadol chosim. The coin gadol would seal it. Venosan le melech. And he would give it to the king. Ukishimatir, and Abbas said, first of all, you just understand this amazing system. So this, remember, this is a multiple seal. So now what happens? When you want to go ahead and withdraw money from that basket, what do you have to do? They first take it to the king. Ukishimatir, Hamelech Rachel, Salamatir, the king looks at his seal, make sure that it's his seal, and then what? And then they open it. They take it to the coin godel. Coin godel Rachel, Umatir. Coin Godel sees his seal and then breaks it, opens it. Katlikin Rochosmo. The Katlikin sees his seal, opens it. Armarko Rochosmo. Umatu the Marco sees his seal and he opens it. Gizbar Rochosmo. The Gizbar then sees his seal, opens it, and now the money is accessible. So I'll say again, quite a system of checks and balances. Whenever it comes to money, right, authority that deals with money, we try to have at least two people. Overseeing that, Rav Nachem b'Shem Rabbi Mana al Shem v'Hemichu es Hazar. So, also interestingly enough, Rav Nachman says the name of Rabbi Mana that is actually a scriptural allusion to this because the Torah says by the Mishkan, by the Mishkan, it says they will take the gold. This is referring to the collection. The people would bring the gold, the silver, all the different materials, and they would take the money. The fact that the Torah says they, plural, indicates that what? That whenever dealing with money, always good to have two people in charge, and therefore, again, they could serve kind of as a check on the other. Obviously, I will say, it goes without saying that anytime a person wants to cheat, you could cheat, right? If you want to beat the system, you could beat the system. But at the end of the day, we assume that people are honest, but in order to, but people are always even more honest when what? When what? When they know that someone else is looking. Therefore, again, even in the Mishkan, they made sure that when, they, when, when looking at the, pro, at the stuff that was collected, there were two people, that becomes the model going forward. So the Gemara goes weiter. Moshe became wealthy because of the leftover, leftovers of the Luchos. Again, so the Luchos were made from precious stones from precious stones, and Moshe Rabbeinu, Kadosh Baruch Hu, gave him the chiselings 
uh, if that's the right term, the chiselings of the stones. So he got the shrine, he got the leftover of the stones, and that's how Moshe Rabbeinu became exceptionally wealthy. And also, you ask yourself, why exactly does Moshe Rabbeinu need wealth? After all, again, so remember, we saw this earlier, same reason why the Kohen Gadol needed wealth, because wealth commands respect. And to be a leader, you have to have the respect of the people. So some people will respect you for your knowledge, some people will respect you for your courage, but most people will respect you because of your wealth. So it's important, even for Moshe Rabbeinu, who was in the desert, to ultimately be wealthy. So how, but again, he has no outside career. He has no outside parnasa. So where does he become wealthy from? So the Rabbi Chama says he became wealthy because he got the shear, not the shearings, the, um, what is, the chiselings, right? The, the what? The shavings. Good. The shavings of the luchos. That's how he became rich. So the Gemara says, listen to this. So the Hadad who dixiv, because what does the Pasuk say? The Pasuk is actually interesting because the Torah says literally hew out or carve out for yourself two tablets. What does it mean? What does it mean carve out for yourself? The shavings will be yours. Others say, no, Reb Hanin says, no, you know what happened? Amazing miracle. Moshe Rabbeinu in his tent, HaKadosh Baruch who carved out for him Literally a um, a a um, a, of, a, um, a quarry, a quarry of precious stones in his tent. In other words, that Moshe had found out that the place where he pitched his tent was mamish right on top of a gold deposit. Okay, so the Hakadosh Baruch Hu made him rich like that. The point of Moshe is same idea, which is that Moshe became rich because of miraculous intervention. But Moshe, listen to this. However, however, ksiv v'hibitu achari Moshe. So the Torah says that the people would often look at Moshe Rabbeinu from behind as he went to his tent. So train Amorayim. So we'll say there's two different opinions as to how to understand this Pasuk. Chad Amar Lignai, Vichad Amar Lishvach. One says that this Pasuk was disparaging and one says that it was a compliment. How so? So the Gemara says, Man Amar Lignai. So the one who says, Lignai, we'll say, this is going to blow your mind. That Moshe Rabbeinu would be walking towards his tent. People would see him from behind. And what would they say? Chamun Shakin. Look how fat his thighs are. Chamun Karin. Look how fat his legs are. Chamun Kupad. Right? Look how fat Moshe Rabbeinu was getting. Achil Min Diudai. In other words, they would say Moshe is gaining weight. You know why he's gaining weight? Because he's eating off our backs. That they, they would literally would disparage Moshe Rabbeinu and they would accuse Moshe Rabbeinu ultimately. Just you should know, that's why Moshe Rabbeinu does multiple accountings of the monies collected for the Mishkan in front of the people because he knew he knew that there were those who thought that he was skimming off the top. So Moshe Rabbeinu put on a few pounds. What happens? Mamish people began to talk. It wasn't because of the stress of the job. right? He was putting on a few pounds because he must have been stealing from them. Just amazing. It's Moshe Rabbeinu. And the other says, no, that, that you can interpret this positively. He says, I'm sorry. Madam Shach, Mahamit Sadiki Umezaki Tuvia, Dizakis Lemech Meyase. Look at this incredible tzaddik. Look at his righteousness and how fortunate we are to look at him. That the people felt they were fortunate just to be able to lay eyes upon Moshe Rabbeinu. Okay. Says the Mishnah. And I will say, by the way, who's right? Who's right? Both right, right? There were some people, again, who ultimately disparaged Moshe Rabbeinu, and there were some people who felt that they had the privilege to be in the midst of a great tzaddik. Mishnah, Dalit Chosamos Hayub Mikdash. There were four seals in the base of Mikdash, excuse me, four tokens. 
is what we talk about before these tokens. So what does this mean? and what was written on the tokens, and we'll discuss how they were used in just a moment. Vikasavaleen, Egel, Egel, a calf, Zachar, Zachar also means a ram, Gedi is a kid, Vichote, and sinner. Now, don't worry, if you drew the sinner token, it didn't, so, so we'll discuss what that means. Ben Azai, Omer, Ben Azai says, no, actually, there were five tokens. Five, how you, hey, how you, the Aromis Kasubana. They weren't, there wasn't Hebrew writing on them, there was Aramaic on them. What did it say? Egel, all right, Egel, because Egel is the same in Hebrew and Aramaic. Kaf, Dachar, Dachar, I will say in Aramaic is Zohar. Remember, in Aramaic, the Dalit and the Zion are interchangeable. That refers to a ram. Gedi, kid, Chote, Chote Dal, the Chote Ashir. A poor sinner, and a rich sinner. So also now the Gemara says, what were these tokens for? These were Nesachim tokens. These were tokens for libations. Egel, what does it mean if you had, if you bought yourself an Egel token? Meshamesh im nischei bakar gedolim uketanim. Zohar munakevos. If you were bringing a carbon that came from a cow, came from a calf, whether big or small, male or female, you had to bring a nesech, a libation along with that. So we'll see, that token represented your libation. We'll see what you did with it in just a moment. Gedi, if you had the Gedi token, meshamesh im nischei atzon, gedolim uketanim, zohar munakevos. That means if you were bringing a carbon that was being brought, from a kid, from sheep, whether large or small, male or female, you had that token. Chutz mishal elim, with the exception of a ram. Ayol, if you had again, if you had the token for an ayol, for a ram, mishamesh im nischei elim, bilvad bilvad. Chote mishamesh im nischei shalosh behemosh shal mitzora. So we'll say what happens if you had, what was the chote, what was the sinner token? The sinner token was that you were a mitzora and you had to bring your libations along with your kabbalah. So we'll say what was the process? Listen to this. So we'll say now I come to the base, I make this. So what happens? I have to bring a nesach. So again, remember you have options. You could bring your own, you could bring your own, but apparently it must have been very common that people bought at the base of the So what was the process for buying? So if you need an Nesachim, so what happens? You would go to Yochanan, and you, what would you go? Yochanan was in charge of the tokens. Listen to this process. You'd go to Yochanan, and Yochanan would happily say, listen, I need a Nesach for my, uh, for my ram. And what happens? You would give him a uh, hundred shekel, and he would give you the token. And the token said on it, the token said on it, Ayol. Said on it, Ram, or Zohar. So what did you do? And what happens? When we call him, excuse me, then you took your token and you went to Achiyah. He's in charge of the Nesachim. What did you do? You gave him your token. Excuse me. So you go to Achiyah, you give him your token, and what would he give you? He would give you whatever you needed, your wine, your oil, your flour, whatever your libation was. In the evening, so, so Shimon, excuse me, Yochanan, who was in charge of the tokens, and Achia, who was in charge of the Nesachim, got together. So remember, Yochanan, Yochanan has money, Achia has tokens. So what do they do at the end of the day? So Achia would go ahead and take out the tokens, and Shimon had to match up cash with each of the tokens. So what happens? If it turns out that Yochanan is short on cash, let's say there are more tokens than cash, then what? Then Yochanan is responsible to make up the shortfall. Because obviously then, that's a mistake on his part. Something happened. He is responsible for the shortfall. Yochanan is personally responsible to make up the shortfall. But what happens if I'll say if there are more tokens? 
What happens? Excuse me. What happens if there was more money, more money than tokens? Then hosiru lehekdish. Then what happens? Because we'll say that could, How could that happen? That could happen. Let's say somebody, for whatever reason, didn't cash in their token. They bought it because else we'll see. You could only tokens were only redeemable that day. So whatever they went home, they had a family emergency. Whatever whatever the mitzvah is, based on mikdash keeps based on mikdash keeps the extra money. Sheyad hekdish al haelyona because the based on mikdash always has the upper hand. Misha avot chosamo. Let's say somebody lost their token. So I'll say, right, what happens? You go ahead, you went to Yochanan, you paid for your token, and then you lose your token. So you go to Beis HaMikdash customer service, right? So Beis HaMikdash customer service says, well, I'm sorry, you're going to have to wait until the evening. Why? Because what would happen? Mamtino ada erev. No, so if I really lost my token, then what should happen? What should happen? There should be extra cash. There should be extra cash. That means there should be at least one more, one more, Unit of cash more than the tokens. So we have. So what happens? So if it turns out that they have, that that Yochanan has extra cash, then they'll refund me. They'll refund me whatever whatever they'll do. Either they'll let me cash in my token the next day, or they'll go ahead and refund me my cash. And if not, so we'll say at the end of the day, if the accounting doesn't work out, I'm sorry. The base manager is saying not that we don't believe you, but we're not we're not giving you back anything. And I will say what they would do is they would write the date on the token. So the tokens were only usable on that particular day. Why? Because of the people who were dishonest. I will say it could happen that over time tokens are lost. Tokens are lost or people perhaps get or whatever the metzias is in order to cut down on people's ability to, to misuse the token. The tokens were dated and were only and were only effective for that particular day. All right, I will say we'll stop over here.